Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. Hello and welcome to Born of Wonder. First things first, happy Tolkien week and Hobbit week. Uh, Did you know that was a thing? It is. uh, (laughs) Hobbit day is officially September 22nd uh, as of 1978, thanks to the Tolkien Society making it uh, official. Uh, That is the joint birthday of Bilbo and Frodo, the date of the long-awaited party. Uh, And so this is a very, very important feast day for Tolkien fans, uh, celebrations, including, you know, all sorts of wonderful Hobbit activities, lots of good food and, I don't know, mead and dancing and um, maybe some Gandalf-style fireworks, I don't know, or just being cozy at home. That is a perfect way to celebrate. So that's very, very exciting. I did do a podcast episode last year all about uh, all about Hobbit Day and how you can live more like a hobbit so you can scroll back down and find that uh, as you celebrate Hobbit Day, Tolkien Week, all good things. September 22nd is also the first day of fall. So when this airs, that is just two days away. How exciting is that? Really, really just fantastic. We've been having some beautiful, cool mornings, you know, when you go outside and the dew is on the grass and there are some of those little cobwebs on the grass and everything is cold and you wear a coat and you know maybe the sun makes things a bit warmer in the afternoon but we have just been enjoying these beautifully glorious cold mornings and uh, I don't take them for granted they are absolutely lovely so about to get into fall and I have a lot of um, fun ideas for how we can celebrate fall I have an interview um, semi-scheduled coming up Uh, I'll wait to sort of tell you the details about it but it will be celebrating some fall movies that I hold near and dear so that will be fun Um, I'm going to have at least uh, three guests coming up um, this season so you don't have to uh, just always listen to me rambling. Um, so, so some fun guests, um, one or two of them, maybe a, a repeat of, uh, but based on the downloads, you guys like them. So it'll be exciting to have them back on. Um, we'll also have some new voices. So there's just a lot of exciting things coming up, but for today, it's just going to be, um, a short episode. I just want to introduce you to uh, a few concepts and also um, celebrate my favorite archangel, which is Saint Raphael, the the patron saint angel of healing, happy meetings, um, and uh, and yeah, I just I I love the book of Tobit. Uh, I don't think I'd ever written read uh, the the entire thing before. It's a very short book in the Bible. Um, it's canonical in uh, Catholicism and in the Orthodox Church uh, in Protestantism. It's considered apocryphal, so maybe you haven't encountered it if you're from a different faith tradition or you're Protestant. Uh, but it's a really fun story. A lot of the stories in the um, in the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament 
are really uh, are just wonderful adventure stories. You know, the book of Daniel and Daniel in the lion's den and, and the, the, the three brothers, um, you know, in the in the fi- in the fiery furnace, uh, praising God and not getting burned. I mean, these are like amazing adventure stories. When I think about the stories that I'm going to um, tell my kids, like these are just wonderful, wonderful stories. And the book of Tobit is a great story. So I'm just going to give you the broad strokes of that story. Um, and in that story, we encounter St. Raphael in disguise. So uh, I will introduce you to that. Um, and and yeah, we'll just learn a little bit about the idea of archangels today. But it will be a short episode. I, yeah, <laughs> theme of my life. I wish I had more time to prepare, but it just wasn't happening. I got to get away this weekend, get out into the mountains with, with a good friend of mine on a little, um, you know, just brief overnight girls trip. And that was just so lovely and restorative and we woke up at, uh, you know, way before sunrise, you know, in the dark, in that chilly dark weather, and we drove out um, onto Skyline Drive, and we saw the sunrise over the Shenandoah Valley, and it was so beautiful. I never regret getting up early. I actually have become quite a morning person. Uh, you know, not that I'm always in a great mood in the morning, but I'm up, you know, <laughs> because of the baby and the animals and everything like that. Um, I am up, and I never regret being awake early um it just it's a i love the quiet i love um the stillness and what a gift to be able to see the sunrise so i've been doing a lot of fun things but uh they have kept me from um preparing maybe the way i would like to I also have been uh, sort of playing around with the idea of maybe starting a stub- sub stack or something like that. My husband actually brought that up today when that I, you know, uh, I should find some more time to write. And I've been thinking about that too, because I don't think I've updated my blog um, in, you know, six or seven months, I think was the last time I wrote anything. And um, as somebody, you know, maybe I'd like to write a book someday or something. And uh, writing is very important to me. It's a good way to process, good way to share. I would like to write more. Um, so I think I need to find a way to have deadlines. Like I do have deadlines for the podcast that I try to take pretty seriously. So very deadline driven. So I don't know, I'm just floating that around. It probably wouldn't cost anything to begin with as we built like a audience or something like that. Maybe just a monthly thing. Um, I want to be realistic too, but if that's something that might interest you, if you, have been a blog reader or you'd like to read more writing, maybe you could just send me an email, you know, just telling me if that's a good idea or not. Just a thought, throwing it out there. But uh, if you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for listening. We have quite a backlog of episodes now, I'm happy to say. Um, so I think you'll probably find something you like. We can you can look into lots of things about Tolkien. Um, catastrophe, Return of the King, Hobbits. Uh, just, yeah. So if you want to celebrate Tolkien Week, I think you can scroll through the archives here and find something to listen to there. Um, you know, I, I did recent episodes I've enjoyed a lot. I liked uh, meditating on thin places and revisiting my old epi- episode, The Hero's Journey. Um, I also loved my chat with uh, with Gina, Gina Didaglo. Uh, I always am questioning if I said her last name right, but I think that was right. Uh, lovely person and uh, really, really fun to talk to her about Harry Potter and the theology of Harry Potter. We really just scratched the surface. It was like very introductory, but I think um, for anybody who's familiar with the books, movie story, uh, it will sort of open your mind to just sort of how theologically rich these stories are. I just did a reread of The Deathly Hallows and that book, the the whole um, concept of Horcruxes is so theologically rich. That whole book is just absolutely 
so thought provoking on questions of life and death and love and um, really, really, really important questions. Um, and of course, the, the quote that Harry finds on his parents' grave is the last enemy that will be destroyed is death, uh, in which he doesn't understand at first what, what that means. And the whole story of the Deathly Hallow, Hallows. Uh, anyway, that is a maybe Maybe I need to have Gina back on so we can do like a deep dive, but um, would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Anyway, uh, if, if you'd like to find out more about the podcast, uh, read the essays I have written over the past few years. Uh, you can go to bornofwonder.com, contact me there. Please take time to uh, consider leaving a review on iTunes, a star rating on Spotify. So important, so appreciated. And if you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, $2 a month, uh, it really means so much and is so incredibly helpful and vital to me continuing to do this podcast. So you can find the link to that in the show notes and uh, or on the website. So but without further ado, let's start learning about the Archangels. So there is lots of angel lore that we could get into and lots of ideas uh, within the church about the theology of angels, who they are, um, the the rankings of angels. Actually, C.S. Lewis wrote quite a bit about this. I'm not going to get into that, but I'm just going to introduce you to the archangels. Um, we, we, we know they're referenced seven of them. Uh, but we, uh, in the Catholic tradition, only recognize three by name, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. So archangels primarily, you know, they are messengers, right? They are the messengers of God. Um, they show up at pivotal moments uh, when people when people need uh, need need to hear hear a message from God. So, uh, of course, maybe most famously, the Annunciation, right? Uh, Saint Gabriel, the archangel, shows up uh, to to tell Mary uh, to tell Mary the incredible news that she will bear the Son of God. Um, and uh, so. Gabriel, perhaps not surprisingly, then is the patron of messengers in general, communication workers. If you work in the media, Saint uh, Gabriel, the archangel, is is your guy. He is interceding for you. So, um, yeah, each of these these uh, archangels that we that we recognize has sort of a different. Um, emphasis. St. Michael is sort of the warrior archangel, right? Um, we have the prayer of Pope Leo XIII, which was prayed uh, after low mass, um, every single mass from 1885 to 1964. You'll still go to, to many masses and hear it said uh, said at the end of mass. So uh, it's a very powerful prayer. I, I really love it. You know, it starts, um, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Uh, I just love that. The seeking, prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls, like just as like a literature loving person, just the poetry of that is so compelling to me. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a powerful prayer. So uh, St. Michael, often pictured with a sword, 
uh, slaying slaying the dragon or something like that. Um, you know, the 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 archangel that will will show up um, and and uh, and defend defend you in battle spiritually or otherwise. And then we have a Saint Raphael who I feel like we don't talk about as much, and I really love him. I just I if you look up the art of, of uh, you know, that's been done about St. Raphael. Um, Rembrandt actually did a series from the Book of Tobit that is very compelling. Uh, but, but I just think that I just, I just get a good, <laughs> I get a good vibe from Raphael. I really like him a lot. So um, maybe part of the reason I love him is that I read that Flannery O'Connor, the author, um, would pray a prayer to Saint Raphael every day and I love that he's the patron of happy meetings he's of of healing and and happy meetings and just sort of the combination of those things is just really interesting to me and you think of Flannery O'Connor who um, of course was very very sick with lupus for much of her life and actually after she three weeks after she shared this prayer with a friend uh, in a letter, she died. Um, so you think about how Flannery O'Connor, despite not, she really wasn't well-traveled at all. Um, she really stayed on her farm most of her life, but she made the connections she needed to make. And uh, I think that her prayer to St. Raphael is very powerful in making that happen. So I'm going to read you, it's, it's a bit of a longer prayer, but it's really beautiful. Flannery O'Connor would pray this prayer every day to, uh, to Raphael. Oh, Raphael, lead us toward those we are waiting for, those who are waiting for us. Raphael, angel of happy meeting, lead us by the hand toward those we are looking for. May all our movements be guided by your light and transfigured with your joy. Angel, guide of Tobias, lay the request we now address to you at the foot of him whose unveiled face you are privileged to gaze. Lonely and tired, crushed by the separations and sorrows of life, we feel the need of calling you and of pleading for the protection of your wings, so that we may not be strangers in the province of joy, all ignorant of the concerns of our country. Remember the weak, you who are strong, you whose home lies beyond the region of thunder, in a land that is always peaceful, always serene, and bright with the resplendent glory of God. Amen. So a beautiful prayer there um, from Flannery O'Connor to uh, Raphael the Archangel. So I should also say that I've been thinking about the Archangels because their feast day is coming up. They're sort of um, joint the feast day. We celebrate all three on September 29th, Feast of the Archangels. So that's coming up. Uh, that is also the end of what is called St. Michael's Lent, which was a great devotion of St. Francis. In uh, 1224, two years before his death, Francis was drawn to Mount Laverna. Uh, he set out up there with some of his, his brother monks to spend a period of prayer and fasting on the mountain. St. Bonaventure records in his biography how Francis, quote, was brought after many and varied toils unto a high mountain apart that is called Mount Alverna, when according when according unto his wont, he began to keep a Lent there, fasting in honor of St. Michael the Archangel, he was filled unto overflowing and as never before with the sweetness of heavenly contemplation. Um, so, so, and then also in a, in a collection of stories about St. Francis from the 13th century, these are some words that were recorded, uh, accredited to St. Francis when he was talking to his brothers. He said, my sons, we are drawing nigh to our 40 days fast of St. Michael, the archangel. 
and I firmly believe that it is the will of God that we keep this fast in the mountains of Alvernia, the which by divine dispensation hath been made ready for us, to the end that we may, through penance, merit from Christ the consolation of consecrating that blessed mountain to the honor and glory of God and his glorious mother, the Virgin Mary, and of the holy angels. So St. Francis had a great devotion to uh, St. Michael the Archangel, and this fast that he kept, this sort of mini Lent that he kept, now known as St. Michael's Lent, started on the Solemnity of the Assumption, August 15th, and then end, ended on the Feast of St. Michael, uh, September 29th. So uh, it was also during this time that St. Francis received the stigmata, uh, the holy wounds of Christ on his hands. Um, and the traditional date for the reception of the stigmata was just a couple days ago on September 17th, a few days after the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, which is a feast day on September 14th. So the Franciscans spread this tradition. Um, it was widely practiced. Uh, St. Michael's Lent, another period of sort of fasting, almsgiving, um, a, a, a mini Lent uh, again, um, but it has uh, sort of gone gone out of fashion uh, since like the 18th century or so, but has been having a bit of a revival. So uh, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, I know we're nearing the end of it, but um, I hadn't heard of it until a year or two ago, and I just think that's another beautiful uh, devotion there. I love the connection to St. Francis and, um, of course, just, and, of course, to the Archangels, to St. Michael. But let me tell you, uh, tell you this story of, uh, of, of, of Raphael in the Book of Tobit. So the Book of Tobit, like I said, is um, is canonical in in the Catholic Church and in in the Orthodox Church, uh, dating back to third or second century BC. Um, and it's 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 a really a story about Jews in exile and how to remain faithful in exile. So uh, this man Tobit is is a very um, devout man. Um, he goes to great lengths to continue. All, all, all the Jewish practices, all the feasts and fasting and almsgiving, everything that he's supposed to do. Uh, he goes out of his way to um, bury Israelites when he finds out they've died in the city. He goes out himself at personal risk and buries them. So he's a very sort of devote, he's a good man, he's a pious man. But he, uh, he, he, is, he goes blind, he goes blind which is very, very sad. And he becomes a bit grumpy in his blindness. He lashes out at his wife, who he's totally dependent on, accuses her of stealing, all kinds of things. He's, um, you know, losing money. He's not in a good place. Um, and so he sends his, his son Tobias to go receive, um, to, to go retrieve um, silver, these 10 silver talents, you know, coins uh, that, he, that he left in another town. Uh, and meanwhile, it just, it, it's interesting because this book is really also about the power of prayer is that at the end, and, and, um, the power of, of prayer in despair, uh, because at this moment when Tobit is really despairing, um, and considering just, he's, he's just feeling terrible about his life at this very moment. Um, there is, there is a woman across town, uh, in, in this other town, actually, that he's going to be sending his son to, uh, named Sarah, who's a kinswoman of, of Tobit's. And she's contemplating suicide because her life is in shambles. She has been engaged to be married, uh, seven times. And each time, um, at, at the, you know, at the end of the feast, uh, when they're about to go off to bed together, the husband, the husband to be dies and it's all because this demon has uh become obsessed with her and kills the man 
uh, before they can consummate their marriage. And she's, you know, understandably, men are not exactly lining up at the door anymore to marry her, even though she's a very lovely and beautiful and, you know, great girl. But uh, yeah, she's she's got a little bit of a curse on her um, and she's getting blamed for this and she's thinking about just ending it all. So at this very moment is when, uh, is when, is when Raphael comes into the picture. So um, Raphael shows up to guide, uh, to guide Tobias to, to this location. He says that he's a distant kinsman. Um, you know, he says, oh, I know, you know, so-and-so uncle, so-and-so. And so, so Tobit trusts him. He says, oh, great. This is great. My son will be guided by this kinsman of mine. He's going to be safe. Um, and of course his, his mother is, you know, <laughs> is, is very worried about him, um, going off on this journey and she's thinking that she'll never see him again. Um, so you've got some, some relatable, motherly parental worry there. Um, I also love that about this book, just the very relatable family dynamics going on. Um, so anyway, Tobias gets on his way and eventually comes to this town where Sarah is. And uh, Raphael tells him that this, that he's going to marry this girl. He says, look, this is a, you know, this is a kinswoman of yours. Like you have a right to marry her. And also, I think that, you know, her father's going to agree to it after everything that's been going on. Um, but don't be afraid, you know, you're going to be fine. And actually, there's a really beautiful romantic line, um, you know, the R Raphael says, says to Tobias, do not be afraid for she was set apart for you before the world was made. I thought that was very, very beautiful. So, you know, he sees Sarah instantly falls in love with her and um you know the the wedding feast takes place pretty much right away and his father-in-law actually the night of the wedding goes out to start digging a grave for him um in secret because he's like if if this guy dies we've got to keep it you know low-key because people are really going to start asking questions i really hope he makes it though he seems like a nice young man <laughs> um and anyway Raphael gives him gives him the means uh he, he to 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 ward off this demon and uh and you know they when when a maid goes and checks on them in the middle of the night they're sound asleep in each, each other's arms and everybody's rejoicing that uh this marriage has worked out the book of Tobit actually is quoted a lot um in weddings or used to be um because there are some beautiful passages in there uh, that 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 the couple prays together that uh, that that Tobias prays on behalf of his wife um, and yeah it's just it's just lovely so anyway um, he inherits all this you know amazing fortune basically from his new father-in-law who who has now adopted him as his son um, through this marriage and he goes home uh, not just with with the money he was going to pick up for his for his father. Tobias, but with a whole feast and lots and lots of money. Um, the only problem is he's he's a bit late, uh, and his mother's worried sick because he stayed longer to sort of continue the wedding feast. But anyway, he makes it back, and uh, Raphael finally reveals who he is, and uh, tells them, you know, again, do not be afraid. Remember, do not be afraid is the most repeated phrase in the Bible, and often it's angels who are saying it. You think that's what that's also what Gabriel said to Mary: do not be afraid. Um, so he tells them not to be afraid to continue to keep, you know, keep the law. He, he, you know, again, this is about Jews in exile, um, about remaining true to the faith, um, and, uh, really emphasizes almsgiving. Uh, so again, you know, you have all this, all this money that's been, been given and the big emphasis is on, is on almsgiving and sort of using it in a just way. And, uh, and to buy, uh, 
Tobias is cured of his blindness and uh and we have a beautiful happy ending so that's just a very brief um summary of the book of tobit again it's really short you could read it very quickly yourself i think you'll really enjoy it and again like really look at it sort of as a as a fun adventure story because it is um but it also has a lot of beautiful truths in it and i love that this is where we encounter saint Raphael. he says that he's one of one of the seven archangels so again we don't know the others by name uh, or if there's more than seven, I don't know, but he says he's one of the seven archangels. And, uh, he certainly in this, in this story, he, uh, you know, he is responsible for the happy meetings, right? Of Sarah and, and, and Tobias. Uh, and he also heals, um, Tobit of his blindness. So again, the patron of happy meetings and healing. So a beautiful story and a beautiful devotion to have to St. Raphael, the archangel. So that's all that I will be leaving you with today. I hope it gave you some food for thought and, uh, and, and yeah, I, just, I, th I think uh, devotion to the archangels, learning about them is, is beautiful. Um, uh, so, and, and especially I hope that introducing you to St. Raphael, who I think many people don't know that much about. So hopefully that was interesting and I'm going to leave you with some beautiful Orthodox chant. I've been listening to and um, reading a lot uh, in sort of Eastern, uh, Eastern Rite Orthodox spirituality. Um, I, it, it, I find the Eastern Rite, I've never been to an Eastern Rite church. I've been to some Orthodox services with my Orthodox friend, um, but they're almost identical. Um, I find those services incredibly beautiful. Um, I'm very uh, confused about what to do during them. <laughs> they're very different, very, very different, um, but but they're, they're very beautiful. I find uh, the Eastern uh, tradition in the church very compelling theologically, of course. Uh, Eastern Rite Catholic churches are doctrinally, uh, you know, united to Rome under the Pope. Um, they are, uh, we, we are in, in, in agreement um, on sort of the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law is very different. There's uh, a lot of, uh, some different emphases in in their spirituality, in their understanding of the sacraments and things like that. And I've just enjoyed a lot um, sort of learning about that uh, and uh, in the Orthodox tradition as well. So I've, I, I've been listening to, I love Orthodox chant, amazing. This is from this album. It's, it's in English too, which I enjoy because then you can, you know, understand what's being said. Uh, but there's, of course, you can find beautiful chant, you know, Greek Orthodox chants, ama amazing. Um, but uh, this is the very best of English Orthodox chant. Um, it's a liturgia ensemble uh, conducted by Apostolos Hill. Uh, and this particular album is the Mass of the Dead and the Easter Mass. So it has some, it's, it's really powerful. Uh, and I love this chant in particular called Open to Me the Gates of Repentance. So uh, this has been my uh, sort of meditative pre, uh, you know, bedtime listening, just just listening to this chant. So I hope you enjoy that. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I also have a Spotify playlist um, that is just this album. So I will put a link to that as well. So I hope you have a great week. Again, happy Hobbit, Hobbit Day, Tolkien Week, all those good things. I hope you celebrate, uh, you know, get ready for the Feast of the Archangels coming up. And uh, of course, 
get ready to celebrate the first day of fall as you as you celebrate a hobbit day as well i mean how perfect is that that hobbit day is the first day of fall can't be a mistake all good things all good things so have a great week and as always i'm katie marquette thank you so much for listening
here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing.